Well, good morning, City Life, Southwest Iowa. How are we doing this morning? And I just want to say yes and amen to all that vision that Kent just shared with us. It's a beautiful thing. Man, I feel like uh, I'm on a high and I don't want to take us to a low. Um, and so uh, I'll talk to, about my family here for a moment, all right? Uh, Kent did introduce us a little bit. Here's a family photo of them. In case you're wondering who's all the boogers running around eating your donuts, um, it's probably my kids. Um, starting right by me, our oldest uh, boy is Jeremiah. He's full of life, and he loves to pray. So if you ever need somebody to pray for you, for you ask him. It's a blessing. Amelia, she's uh, one of our... Uh, most shy, but yet loving and compassionate girl. She's got a lot of emotions, so pray for me as a dad as we work through that. We got Miles in the middle. Uh, Miles is a baby, and he knows it. He literally gets anything and everything he wants handed to him, uh, but he brings us a lot of joy, and Ben's got a ton of energy. He's my mini-me. If I would put a picture of, of me uh, as, at his age, we're twins, and then we have Graceland. She's our oldest, and she's like a second mom, so that's our family. I'll tell you what. If you can come up and tell me all their names, I got $5 with your name on it. Um, the only criteria is I can't, we can't, can't have met until this morning, okay? That's got to be the only criteria, Matt. You don't qualify. Um, but no, friends, it's super fun to be here with you. God's doing amazing things, and it's super exciting to see him work, and it's a privilege to be here and bring God's word to you. I uh, don't take that lightly. I was asked to come and preach in the psalm. I think I'm wrapping it up, the psalm series, actually, this summer for you guys. And uh, if any of you have, like, decision fatigue, then ask somebody to pick a psalm, because in case you didn't know, there's 150 of them, right? And so... I just sat on it for a moment, and I landed on Psalm 115, and here's why. Uh, as a family of churches, we love to stay connected. We love to celebrate. We love to worship. And so one way that we do that is once a month, all the churches, all the staff meet together in one location. So friends, there's 13 churches, right? Southwest Iowa, you're part of that story, and it's an amazing time. It never fails, like during the, those times of our P115 reports, that's what we call it. God is doing incredible things, but not unto us, unto the Lord be the glory. There's these stories of men, women, and children giving their life to Jesus, like in radical ways, right? They're going from, from death to light, from darkness to light, uh, following Jesus faithfully into baptism. It's a beautiful thing. There's stories of healings. You guys have experienced some of those in the recent months. Uh, there's stories of people being reached, un, unreached people groups. Maybe they're in need or uh, underprivileged, underserved from one way or another. The gospel is reaching them, and it never fails in these times that we come together that I just have this awe moment in my heart. Where I'm like, only God could write a story like that. And friends, you made an awe moment in my heart. So we hosted City Light Council Bluffs All Staff Gathering, uh, Prayer Gathering, and Matt shared your guys' audacious plan to have 1,200 meals with somebody, right? Like that's 1,200 I'm willing to sit and serve you around a table. Isn't it amazing what can happen when we have extreme gospel center hospitality and generosity? Like what can happen around a table when we come together and we're like, I'm not here to gain but to serve. I'm not here to take but to love. Uh, and you guys are amazing at hospitality. I just want to commend you for that, Southwest Iowa. And by God's grace, you're well on way. Like 530 of those meals have already been met. Like that's amazing. <laughs> like I want to clap for you guys. So, so it's a beautiful thing, friends, when uh, collectively Jesus' church makes Psalm 115 their prayer, right? Not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, 
but to your name be the glory. It's powerful when God's people are full of praise and honor and willing to bestow it all back on him because he's worthy. Amen? So let's, uh, let's keep Psalm 115 our prayer, and let's get our hearts in line with Psalm 115 to be our prayer. And to do that, I just want to ask a couple questions. So if you've been following Jesus, whether that's for a week, a month, a year, 10, a couple, several decades, what has your pattern of praise looked like over the, over the course of your life? Like those highs and those lows when you feel like you're on the mountaintop with Jesus, or maybe you're down in the valley, what has your pattern of praise looked like? Um, and has it been honoring to God? I don't know about you, but when I get in stressful situations, it's easy for me to turn to something else other than him, right? But Psalm 115, it's going to steer our hearts, it's going to guide our hearts, it's going to lead our hearts to make it all about him and keep our eyes focused on him. So why does this matter? Why should you listen to me? Why should you tune in for the next 25 minutes or so? Here's why. If I could summarize Psalm 115, um, and if I can summarize God's intent for his people, God and the psalmist understands that ultimately when we worship things beneath us, it brings us lower, right? It brings us lower. It brings our praise lower. It brings the glory lower. It makes us lower than what God's created us to be. You see, friends, you were created with great value and worth in the image of your God. You were created in his likeness. You were made for a purpose, and he placed you right where you are for a mission and for his glory to make his, fam- his name famous, and it's a joy to be a part of that mission, Right? You see, this prayer, this plea, is that we would give glory both to the Lord now and forever, on this side of eternity and for all eternity. And this is is a psalm to keep our hearts from becoming trapped in loving the things in the world and loving stuff or someone rather than God. So let's dig in. There's three things I want to highlight this morning to you all, three key themes. First, don't give glory to what you make. Instead, give glory to the one that made you, and we will give glory to God forever. So first, let's look at, don't give glory to what you make. What you trust in matters, right? I want to point us back to the psalm, uh, Psalm verse 8. If you remember Kent reading it, it's like a compare and contrast, right? And the psalmist all of a sudden goes on this crazy like guitar rift where he's just like, bashing their gods. So you could say verse 8 is kind of like a summary of their gods, and it reads like this. Those that make them become like them, so do all who what, church? Trust in them, right? What you trust in matters. And idols, just so we can get our heads wrapped around this, idols aren't just statues that can't breathe, see, talk, or smell. In fact, the Bible highlights most idols, especially modern-day idols, they're not metal. You know, they're not something that you create with your own hands and you put on your mantle and bow down and worship to it. Most idols today, modernly speaking, are more mental, right? They start in the heart. An idol can be anything that we put before God and ultimately make that thing of must, most up importance, utmost importance. Sorry. We have, uh, we have it. We must have it. I have to have it. My life isn't complete without it. Good chances are that that's an idol. And can you see how that can fight for our attention and for our worship and ultimately make us less than what God created us to be? You see how that works? God cares about what we put our trust in and God cares about what we worship and what we value because God knows and the psalmist understood 
that when we worship things that we weren't created to worship, ultimately that brings that thing, that someone, and us lower, lesser than. So don't give glory to what you make. And here's the crazy thing. You don't even have to make it, right, for, or shape it with your own hands for it to be an idol. You can, you can trust in something that someone else has made, right? Maybe you haven't made it, but somebody else has made it. Idol can be, again, mental. It can be a desire, a craving for comfort, for ease. It can be power or materialism, right? Our trust, whether in God or in stuff, good or bad, starts in the heart. And our trust might, might be in stuff, it might not be in stuff, but it might be in self, right? Have you ever heard it said that um, what you put your faith in, well, sorry, self, not stuff. So it's easy to worship stuff. Maybe you said to yourself, man, I'm smarter than so-and-so, right? I'm better looking than so-and-so. I'm better off than so-and-so. I've made a life for myself, right? Sometimes there's good pride there, but sometimes that can become an idol. And God didn't save us because we're awesome, right? Like Jason, for example. Jason's tall, smart, handsome, athletic, right? But God didn't save Jason because of those things. God saved Jason for God's glory and Jason's good, right? Then you have Matt. Matt is... Well, Matt has a low center of gravity, but God saved Matt for God's glory, right? And for Matt's good. Um, we can make self into an idol. And if I'm honest, when I thought about preaching uh, for Candidate Weekend, this wasn't the sermon that I would have picked. But I believe that there's a grace here for us, friends. Uh, the Lord knows that we have to be reminded often that He is God and we are not. And the psalmist knows what happens when humans' hearts make it more about stuff other than him. So for the Psalm 115 report, uh, amazing time. I shared it earlier. That's the reason that I land on this psalm. There are 150 of them. Well, let's just pick one I'm familiar with. Uh, so I thought. This psalm has actually ministered to me very well in these past coming weeks. If I'm at the Psalm 115 report, as soon as my heart is filled with awe and amazement about what God's doing, if I'm honest, if I don't guard my heart, I can also become a little insecure, right? Because I start thinking to myself, they had how many baptisms? Uh, they multiplied how many city groups? They're doing what? Like, you know, you start to feel less than. And so you start comparing yourself to someone else, and ultimately that brings you lower and it makes you insecure. And if I'm not careful, comparing myself can make me very insecure. Have you ever been there before? And do you know what happens once we don't make it all about God and we question his goodness and we make it about someone or something else? We get insecure. Like I said, ultimately, we make it about us. We have an us problem, right? Not to us. Uh, it's, the psalmist is calling us out saying we can be glory thieves, we might have a glory problem if we're more in awe of ourselves than we are in awe of the maker of heaven and earth. And the truth is, I think we learn this from a young age. I love my kids to death, and I would do anything for them. They're awesome, but it never fails around our house. Like, let's say something gets broken or there's a mess, like the other day, red Gatorade got spilled all over our white built-ins. And we're in the process of trying to sell our house, and that's not a good thing. And so it sat there for a while, and I discovered it. And for you, those of you that never read the label on the back and the ingredients where it says Red 40, that's abbreviation for stains anything it comes in contact with indefinitely, right? <laughs> and so we finally get the mess cleaned up, and I'm like, you know, typical dad, well, who spilled it? And then, not me. 
not me, not me. I'm like, I'm not going to go through five not me's, right? <laughs> Nobody owns up to it. It's amazing. But let's say, for example, you know, the, the Legos got picked up miraculously from the center of the living room floor, and Samantha nor myself did it. Uh, it's like, wow, we cleaned up the Legos. It was me. No, uh you barely touched them. It was like five Legos you picked up. And then a couple of the kids come home from grandma's house. It was us. And it's like, you weren't even here, right? You see, like, it's amazing how in awe of self we can be at times, right? Um, it's just not natural for us to bestow credit, honor, glory, someone else or something else. But friends, I think if we are willing to be a people that continue to bestow the honor and the glory and the praise all in the one who's greater than us, then we will ultimately live the life that he's designed and created for us to live. So that's our first point. Don't, don't um, give glory to yourself, but instead, let's give glory to the one that made you. Again, not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Man's chief end, grand obligation, is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Um, doing college ministry, I can't tell you how many times I ran into young adults, and it just breaks my heart, but they don't know their purpose. They don't know their identity. They don't, they're just doing what they think they're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to college, right, after high school. Just identity things that they're working through, and it's like, man, if we only knew, like, your grand purpose in life is to glorify God and be satisfied by him, right? You seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be given unto you, right? And so it's important that we give glory to the one that made us. Would you agree? So friends, what, what has God given you, and how are you making his name known? Like in your marriage, is God's name known and glorified, or are you making your own name known? In your parenting, is God's name known and glorified? In your work, is he getting the credit? Is his name known, or are you making your name known? In your sexuality, right? In your friendships or finances, is God glorified? Those in dating relationships, is God getting the glory? In your city group, is God glorified? Like, would Jesus be thankful that he stopped by and he was eavesdropping on the conversations that you had? Would it make him pleased? The Christian life is an all-of-life thing, not just a Sunday morning or the nights that you visit your city group, right? It's an all-of-life, an all-of-body, of worship, of mind, of heart. And friends, here's the thing. The taunts in verse 2 where they say, well, where is your God while they're worshiping stuff that they made? Doesn't even make sense. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Those taunts are crushed and silenced by God's people when we give the glory to the one who made us. And our God is in heaven and does all that he pleases. You know, like, make the universe, create you and me. Where is our God? Everywhere. He does what he pleases out of steadfast love and faithfulness. Those things are covenant type of words, a covenant type of God. He does all that he pleases out of steadfast love and faithfulness. He makes the universe, saves his people. Our God is everywhere. Life is a gift, and it's a blessing to know the God that is the creator of heaven and earth. And what a privilege it is to make him known. Friends, at our core, don't we all want to live for something bigger than ourselves, Something that will outlive us. Something bigger than our name. And that's where things like uh, vision for 1,200 hospitable meals is birthed, right? We want to live for something bigger than ourselves, and we get to serve a God who created the universe and sustains it by the word of his mouth. It could be dangerous 
it can be even destructive if we were so set on tradition that we weren't willing to reach the next generation, right? Well, there's times that we could argue and fight over whether to keep the pews or put in chairs or if the carpet should be red. Like, we're not going to make it about us, right? But what he wants. We're not going to make it about our preferences, but his preferences. We're not going to make it about our likes or our dislikes. It's whatever he wants. And so let's look at verse 11 together. Why does this matter? Verse 11 says, You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help in the shield. The psalmist points out that why we give glory to the one, why do we give it to God, all to God, is because ultimately he's our help and our shield. There's no resource, there's no promise, there's no comfort that can help you like the Lord. Not even if you could gain the whole world and would you find comfort for your soul and in the satisfaction that God has to offer? Why do we worship lesser things when we were created to give glory to something greater than ourselves? Let's be a people that worship up, not in. Our help isn't in someone or something that can overpromise, right, but never delivers. Our God always follows through. That's been the theme of this morning, right, through our, t- our times of worship His promises are steadfast and true. You guys are a testimony that our God can deliver on his promises. It's exciting to be a part of it. Don't give glory to what you make. Instead, give glory to the one that made you. And lastly, I want us to look at why. It's because we give glory to our God forever. Now is the time, friends. I want to take us back to Psalms 115 one more time. And let's read verses 16 and 18 again. It says, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, But the earth he has given to the children of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Did you catch it? The psalmist believes in eternity, right? The dead, whether they're spiritually dead or physically dead, they are silenced now because they worship their idols and become like their idols. But for us, all of those that are in Jesus all of those that have been transformed by his spirit, we get to praise him both now and for all eternity, right? We will not be silenced. Our hope and our trust is in the Lord, and our praise flows from this place where we know our God who is in heaven, the God who created heaven and earth, you and me. He's a God that is trustworthy and a God that blesses his children both now and forever. And our God is not done blessing Southwest Iowa He blesses and he blesses and he's going to bless some more. You remember what happens to those idols, to those that, all those that make them and trust in them become like them. Friends, our God isn't like any other idol or lowercase g God, right? Verse 4 says, their gods, the works of human hands, that's their God. It's made by their hands. Friends, our God made us. Us. Let's go back to the beginning of the story in the Bible, Genesis 2-7. It says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. When it came to the crown of creation, God got his hands dirty, right? He picks up the dust of the ground, and he breathes in the nostrils of man after he forms him. Their idols, the works of their hands, Our God made us with his own hands. Trust in him. Verse 5 says, they have mouths but do not speak. The verse in Genesis that we just read, God breathes the breath of life into man. Psalms 33 says, by the word of your mouth, all the heavens were made. 
right? And by the breath of your mouth, all their hosts. Verse 16 in Psalms 115 says, their heavens, the Lord's heavens are the, are the, sorry, the heavens are the Lord's heavens. Friends, we serve a star-breathing God that spoke all creation into existence. Everything from the fertile plains of Iowa to the bright blue sky and everything in between, we have the word of God. And Hebrews says that it's God-breathed. He's still speaking to us even today. Isn't that amazing? God wrote a book, and God is still speaking, not their idols. Verse five, six, and, verse 6 and 7 says, They have eyes, but do not see. Hebrews says that there's nothing that's laid before the, the, before the eyes of the Lord that is hidden. There's nothing in all creation. It's all bare. They have ears, but no, do not hear. The psalmist and David said that my prayers have reached your ear. Noses, but do not smell. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says that we are a sweet aroma, pleasing to the Lord, all of those who have, who have placed their faith in Jesus. The Lord likes the way you smell, despite what your husband or wife says about you when you come in from mowing the grass and when it's 100 degrees here in Iowa, right? The Lord likes the way you smell. Friends, hear this. Verse 7, they have hands and feet, but do not walk. They make no sound with their throats. What did, who came to us a little over 2,000 years ago and with hands pierced to a cross and feet nailed to a cross, yelled out with his last dying words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Our God isn't like any other God. Amen? Amen. Friends, here in closing, uh, the book of Mark says, what good is it to gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? We could gain the whole world, but lose our soul in the process. There's not enough money in all the world to satisfy your soul, right? It's not the sports car or those dreams or visions that you hope of that big, beautiful house that will satisfy. It's not that purse you've always wanted with the L or V on it, right? It's not all of the time in the world for your hobbies, that will satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can truly bring contentment in things lasting, in the things eternal. Friends, set your eyes on the one who created everything, but most importantly, set your eyes on the creator of all things, Jesus. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. Our God gets the glory both now and forever. Not our idols, not ourself, not us. We're not going to have an awe problem. We're not going to have a glory-thieving problem. We're going to make it all about Jesus. And friends, you are a testimony that God has not forgotten you. This body, this community is a testimony where our God is. He's in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. The life, the community, the hope that you have brought to this region is a story that only God could write. And I believe he's just getting started. Our God is pushing back darkness. He's pushing back the idols, the comfort of self. People are finding Christ-centered communities for the first time, able to open up and be invested in and invest in others. It's a beautiful picture that our God is on the throne and he's working and moving. So let's be a church that praises him from this time forth and forevermore, making his name known and famous all for God's glory and our good. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to transition into communion. Um, and you guys are awesome because you actually serve it, you know, personally, and it's amazing. Um, I'm tired of those little cups with the plastic wafer. It doesn't taste good. But <laughs> this psalm, this psalm was a prayer on the night of Passover. And if you uh, think back to Moses' time leading Israel out of slavery, they were enslaved for 400 years. 
oppressed, controlled, um, just lifeless, right? But God was going to set his people free. But the night before he did that, there was one more plague that came upon Israel and all of Egypt. And that was, it was going to require the firstborn son, right, to be sacrificed. Just like Jesus is the only son of God who came and freely laid down his life for us that we may have life. It's a blood-bought covenant, and it was paid for by Jesus' blood. And so as we take communion, um, the angel of death, he would pass over any house that had the blood of a lamb on the doorposts. And if you said yes to Jesus, then uh, picture it as the doorpost of your heart is covered by the blood of Jesus. The guilt, the shame, the punishment, uh, all of our sins, the weight of that fell on him. We don't pay for that penalty. He paid for it in full. So as we partake of the blood and of the body, it's just a reminder of this new covenant that we have with Jesus. Jesus sacrificed himself to buy our freedom, buy our salvation, to buy um, our praise, and we're gonna give it to him, amen? Is that okay if I pray and then we'll take communion? King Jesus, I'm grateful that you're a covenant-keeping God. Um, You're faithful, and God, we want to give you the glory both now and forever. Jesus, I just pray that as we partake in communion, we'd be reminded of how good of a God you are, that you're in heaven and you do all that you please, and it pleased you, Father, to send your only son to us to die the death we deserve to die. You lived the life that we should have lived but we're not capable of, and so, God, for that, we give you praise both now and forever. We want to partake of what you've done for us, and uh, we are grateful, and we do this in remembrance of you. All for your glory, God, in Jesus' name, amen.